former Vice President of the United States, Mike Pence. Mr. Vice President, good afternoon to you, sir. Hey, good afternoon, Pat. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for having me back on WOWA. Yeah, always glad to have you on. I last saw you at the Republican dinner just a few weeks ago downtown. Uh, I think these are the these are probably the two closest interviews that you and I have done together since back before you ran for vice president. Well, it, it was wonderful to see you. That was a great night uh, at the Bean Dinner, and uh, it kind of was one of the capstones of uh, – of a very busy year for me, Pat. I was uh, not only writing a book that came out a week ago, so help me God, but I believe it or not, I traveled to 35 states supporting Republican candidates wow. before the midterm elections and uh, saw a lot of them win, a lot won in Indiana, and I uh, was proud to be up there with you for one more one more joint appearance. Well, anytime I can be in the same room, let alone on the same platform as Mike Pence uh, in Pat Miller world, we call that a good day. Uh, Mr. Vice President, um, I know in your book, and I'm, I'm candid with you now, I've read about 100 pages of it as I flew Thank through you. it to try to, to glean what I wanted. Um, and I know that you're recounting uh, all the way back to the journey that got you to the White House. But on this inside story, um, you, you had – I can't imagine having a relationship with Donald Trump – that at times wouldn't be tenuous, even in good times, uh, because he has a bit of a, a volatile, you know, fighter in the ring kind of an attitude a lot. But when you kept your decision to follow the oath that you took to the Constitution, that's when things between you and and Donald Trump was severed. So let me ask you this question: In that you made that decision, in that you told him before you went to the Capitol to exercise that decision. Any regrets that that was the decision you made? Well, uh, none whatsoever. I know that by God's grace, uh, we kept our oath to the Constitution that day and uh, uh, to see to the peaceful transfer of power. And uh, I know what the Bible means when it when it says He keeps His oath even when it hurts. As I was, I was as disappointed with the election outcome as anyone, but. Uh, but I, I knew that uh, in, in that moment, uh, uh, our duty was simply to do what the Constitution says, to open and count the Electoral College votes. Um, and as I said, and I'll say again, by God's grace, uh, we did our duty that day. But, Pat, let me, let me you know, take issue with, gently with one of your, uh, you know, the, one, of the, one of the premises of your question, and that is that uh, actually, President Trump was not only my president, but he was my friend. We actually had a very good, close working relationship for four and a half years. I know it's, uh, I know it, it surprises some people to know that because, uh, by all accounts, uh, we're very different men. But uh, it was a great privilege for me to serve alongside the president, and and we had the kind of relationship where I think we recognized each other's strengths. Uh, he enlisted me in, in championing tax cuts, regulatory reform, advancing, advancing energy policies that unleashed American energy and made us a net exporter of energy for the first time in 70 years. Uh, as the father of a Marine, I was proud that he engaged me with supporting our troops and advancing funding for our military, at the greatest increase in military spending since the days of Ronald Reagan. And, of course, to have played some small part uh, in the president's decision to appoint uh, three conservatives to our Supreme Court that gave us a new beginning for the right to life 
was uh, was one of the greatest honors of my life. But it all came out of a relationship that really worked. It worked for our administration. I believe it worked for the American people, which made what happened at the end of the year uh, that much more difficult uh, to me because we had enjoyed such a strong relationship. Uh, I'd always been loyal to President Donald Trump, but I had one higher loyalty, and that was to God in uh, the Constitution, and and that's what precipitated uh, precipitated the confrontation that unfolded before the country and the world that day. Talking to former Vice President Mike Pence, um, you know one of the things that people I think lose in all this, you know, as they were screwing screwing you're screwing you're screwing Donald Trump, you know, hang Mike Pence. All, do they not realize that if they felt like you were causing him to lose? As president, you were also causing yourself to lose as vice president. I mean, did they not think one more rung down the ladder? Well, it's uh, leave it to Pat Miller to, you know, uh, articulate an insight and uh, something quite obvious that's not as obvious to everyone. But I, I've said that I spoke at the Reagan Library a year ago, and I said I understand the disappointment in the election. You'll remember I was on the ballot. Um, uh, maybe there was one person in America that worked harder to reelect the Trump-Pence ticket, uh, but there wasn't anybody else. I yeah. campaigned and campaigned hard, uh, even in the in the in the wake of the uh, COVID pandemic. We were out across the country relentlessly because I was incredibly proud of our record, uh, and and I just knew that this incoming administration would dismantle much of what we had done to secure our border, revive our economy, strengthen our military, and preserve our liberties. And uh, and that that's precisely what's happened. I mean, the Biden-Harris administration's policies have failed the American people at home and abroad. As I said at the bean dinner, it's, it's almost some days like the Biden-Harris administration is, you know, is intending to weaken America right. at home and abroad. And I so I, I I understand the disappointment, the frustration, but at the end of the day, uh, we are a nation with a constitution, uh, and uh, uh, as George Washington said, uh, uh, the constitution is that which I will never abandon. One of the things I thought was interesting about your book is something I didn't read in the book, but something I read about someone who read your book, and this was in an appraisal from the Wall Street Journal. Mr. Pence skillfully and credibly aligns himself with the Trump administration's achievements and distances himself from his old boss's reckless personal behavior and post-election madness. Before we get into the madness and post-election, all that, the achievements of the administration, a lot of that was Donald Trump. But I've got to tell you, in some things that I saw, not just the stand that Donald Trump took as president in the pro-life arena, but the fact that for the National Walk for Life, he was the first president who actually showed up in person to be there. And Kim and I looked at each other in our home watching that, and I said, you know, there's just a little bit of Mike Pence in this. (laughs) Well, look, um, you know, as I just said to your listeners, uh, uh, President Trump and I had a close working relationship. And uh, when he interviewed me for the job, as I recount in the book, so help me God, he, uh, I asked him what the job description was, and he had one word, active. Uh, he said he wanted me to be active on Capitol Hill, active around the country, active representing America around the world. And 
And I must tell you, the opportunities the president gave me to do that, uh, to uh, to be involved in virtually every decision of the administration, uh, was it was an incredible privilege for me. And it was a partnership uh, that really worked. And I I do hope that uh, that that people grab a copy of this book. They know that while we're you know, I'm candid about mistakes I made early in my political career. I'm, I'm candid about uh, the difficulty at the end of the administration. But, but uh, one observer recently said that uh, that Mike Pence has written the most fulsome defense of the Trump-Pence administration's record that's in print, and I believe that's the case. I think anyone in the sound of my voice that cherishes what we did. Uh, for national security, for a growing economy, for protecting life and liberties, uh, will have much to be encouraged about reading these pages. And they'll better understand uh, how uh, how this team uh, worked together to accomplish so much for the American people, not in four years, Pat, uh, but in the three years uh, up to the uh, the advent of the worst pandemic in 100 years. No, that's exactly correct. And, and I think that you all... You know, and I've heard the President Biden saying things like, well, you know, under under Pence, there there was no immunization. There was no vaccine. He himself took the vaccine in December. So <laughs> it was just right. amazing to me that he made those claims. Um, do, you, do you find I, one of the things I'm finding in your activity now since the book is out that I genuinely appreciate? You know, I'm no. I'm no real fan of what I call the alphabet networks, ABC, CBS, NBC, but I was very glad to see the very in-depth David Muir interview with you on ABC and the fact that you dodged zero questions, but you also didn't let him bait you into giving an answer uh, that you really didn't want to give because you're at the same time trying to make your case about what happened at the end. You're also trying not to overly disrespect the former president of the United States. Well, look, I, I, as I said, I, President Trump was not only my president, he was my friend. And uh, you don't spend that much time in a political foxhole with somebody. Yeah. In, enduring relentless and, and un, uh, unmitigated attacks uh, by the liberal media and, uh, and, and Democrats around the country and not forge something of a bond. I, 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 you know, I recount not only our record and what we accomplished, but I recount the opposition, the two and a half years of investigations in the Russia hoax and impeaching the president of the United States for a phone call. And and in the day after January 6th, I also recount how after after the president and some in our party would have had me interpret a provision of the Constitution to their political benefit. Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer showed up uh, and asked me to interpret the 25th Amendment for their political benefit. I mean, the 25th Amendment was adopted in the case of a of, of mental or physical disability of a president. It is not a substitute for impeachment. And when they came to me the morning after that tragic day and, and wanted to bring their own version uh, of uh, the Constitution to achieve their political ends, uh, I, I said to my team, I, I did not yield uh, on January 6th, and I will not yield on January 7th. And we've got to stand on what the Constitution says, and by God's grace, that's what we did. The, grabbing at straws, whatever side of the aisle you're on, Mr. Pence, grabbing at straws to try to find some sliver of a way to make happen what did not happen as it should have, 
uh, is a non-win. And that's not a way to govern. It's certainly not a way to keep America strong, brave, and free. Well, that's right. I mean, look, we um, I think as I've traveled around the country for the last two years, I've been deeply moved at the, uh, the outpouring of encouragement and support from people of all different political backgrounds. I've, I've had Republicans and independents and even many Democrats stop me in the airport or stop me at the grocery store down here in Indianapolis and just breathe a word of, of thanks and appreciation. I'm always humbled by that, Pat. But I, I can tell you that... Um, I really do believe the American people long for leadership, the chance of uniting us around our highest ideals. And those ideals are enshrined in the Declaration and in the Constitution. They're, those are it's not poetry. Um, that's the operating manual and the ideals of the republic. And I think if we, if we stand there, we have a better chance of standing together. No, I, I think that's exactly right. Um, let me ask you this, and I'm all over the place, Mr. Pence. I'm not getting you as, as often as I'd like, so I'm just grabbing at things here. On election night in 2020, how stunned were you that night when you realized what was happening? Well, I was very surprised. I had, as I say, and so help me God, I had told the president that as I campaigned, even under COVID restrictions in many states, um, I thought the enthusiasm was greater in 2020 than it was in 2016. And you know what, Pat? It was. We got 10 million more votes in 2020. And that's virtually unheard of for an incumbent president, even the ones that are reelected. And so, uh, yeah, I was I was very surprised. And and uh, and also, while while evidence of widespread fraud would never come. I was concerned as anyone else about some voting irregularities that had taken place in a number of states. Mm -hmm. And that's why going into January 6th, I thought that it would be a very useful debate uh, to hear the objections, to hear a debate about irregularities, if for no other reason uh, than to to make sure the American people understood that uh, that we, we need to continue to take steps to strengthen election integrity and, and, uh, I'm happy that's happening around the country, but it was uh, it was one of the uh, one of the aspects of uh, of January 6th that was lost in the midst of the mayhem and rioting on the night of January the 6th. um, I know that as you were there overseeing the proceedings of counting votes and some people need to understand it is not your job as vice president of the United States when you receive the electoral votes from every state. It's not your responsibility in that moment to make sure they're accurate. You can't look at the state of Indiana and saying, well, I'm rejecting your numbers right now because I don't believe them to be accurate because you have the signature of the Secretary of State of Indiana on those electors saying this is what our state did. So I get it that people were disappointed. You were disappointed in what the outcome and the numbers you were having to read, but it wasn't your job to change them. Absolutely true. Our, our founders at the Constitutional Convention debated how we would conduct national elections, and they uh, they came to the conclusion that they needed to be governed at the state level. It was a way of protecting against, believe it or not, uh, it was protecting against what they called at the Constitutional Convention foreign interference with elections. I mean, it sounds like a modern term, but they were very concerned if if the national election was conducted in the new nation's capital, that it could be subject to influence uh, 
by the one superpower in the world, namely the one that we had defeated in in the Revolutionary War. And so they pushed all the elections out to the states and said, look, you conduct the elections according to your laws. You certify the elections. Uh, uh, disputes over election results are to be reviewed in the courts, state and federal. Uh, but then uh, the states, when it's all done, certify their results. And the only role of the Congress is to open and count. Right. People can read those la- those words in the Constitution of the United States, open and count. Uh, no vice president in American history had ever asserted authority to accept or reject votes. The American presidency belongs to the American people, Pat, and um, the American people alone. In fact, I, I would say a year ago at the Reagan Library that there's maybe no idea more un-American than the notion that any one person could yep. choose the American president. Yeah, no, that's exactly correct. And in fact, if you had said, I tell you what, we're not going to accept Michigan, we're not going to accept Wisconsin, Georgia, we're not going to accept Arizona or Nevada. If you had done that, those states would have sued like crazy. You would have been impeached. Uh, I mean, you know, it, it would have been an absolute nightmare. And I think we would have found ourselves on the threshold of another civil war. Pat, I, I don't know what would have happened. Uh, I don't think anyone does. But um, I just know that by God's grace, that day, uh, law enforcement officials quelled the violence. Uh, we were able to reconvene the very same day and the elected representatives of the American people and 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 uh, and I simply did our duty to see the peaceful transfer of power. And um, my hope is when people reach the help me God, they'll they'll better understand not only why I did what I did, but how I did it. I try and reflect from the early pages of the book on on how my upbringing in Indiana, the son of a combat veteran and a first generation American shaped my sense of of duty my love for this country how my incredible wife karen and our our wonderful kids have have uh inspired me uh to be a man of my word how my faith in jesus christ is the foundation of it all and i i hope uh i hope as people look at the pages of so help me god uh that they'll uh they'll better understand us and whatever the future holds for karen and me, I, I'm just, uh, uh, it's been a great privilege for me to put our story on the page and and uh, talk about our service to the state and the nation we love. And I'll tell you, there's a picture that has come out that caused a lump in my throat. And that was the picture uh, when they first took you out of the uh, chamber and they took you to a side office that was there. And in that office, uh, there's a picture of you turning around the desk and looking up, and Karen is closing the drapes because you all could hear all the mayhem happening just outside that window. What a chilling moment that is, not even in your administration, but a chilling moment in the history of our country. Uh, Pat, it was uh, we could hear the sounds outside the Capitol, and uh, we could see the images on the television screen. Uh, when we were moved to the uh, loading dock below the Capitol, as I write in So Help Me God, we we heard the chanting, we heard the footfalls. But um, I will tell you, Pat, uh, I believe this is also true of my wife. We um, we felt no fear. Uh, you know, I was not afraid. I was angry. I, I was angry at what I saw, uh, the idea of people ransacking, vandalizing, assaulting police officers, 
in the capital of the United States left me with a simmering indignation. As I wrote, my only thought was not this, not here, not in America. Yeah. And I thought it I thought it not only demeaned uh, our nation's capital, but it demeaned the tens of millions of people across the country in our movement who would never do anything like that there or anywhere else. I mean, I, you know, I spoke countless uh, Trump-Pence rallies around the country. And, you know, the people in our movement, like so many listening to the sound of my voice today, were some of the hardest-working, most God-fearing, patriotic, law-abiding people that I ever met in my life. And, uh, and, and seeing what was happening and, and seeing how it reflected on all we had done together, um, left me with that uh, that that simmering indignation but i i will tell you i was determined in that moment and every hour after simply to to work the problem to be part of the solution and i'll always be grateful to the law enforcement officers capital and federal who quelled the violence and i believe ultimately that they turned a day of tragedy uh, into a triumph of freedom mr vice president i can't thank you enough uh, for here at the very outset of getting your new book out that you made sure you came back and you talked to my listeners here in Northeast Indiana. You and I have always had a very open and candid relationship. Uh, you know when I agree with you and when I don't, uh, but it's been great to have you here. The one question I could not get to, which is very important, at the Bean Dinner, your brother, who now is also a congressman, who has the same hair you do, but he went to great lengths to let me know that one of you is the far better-looking Pence brother. Uh, he would not quite c- commit to which brother that was. So maybe the oh, next yeah, time, <laughs> maybe next time we settle that, okay? <laughs> yeah, he would. Yeah. Mr. Vice President, my thank you. My brother you were talking to. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know the one. Listen, thank you so very much for being with us, sir. I appreciate you. Uh, God bless you as you go out and continue to talk about your book and to use it as a way for Americans to understand what happened in our country. You know I appreciate you and love you. Thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you so very much. I'd be very honored any of your listeners took time to pick up a copy of So Help Me God. And uh, I hope it, uh, I hope they know it's a story about God's faithfulness, a story about Indiana, a story about our little family and our service to America. And uh, wonderful to be with you on WoWo today. Thank you so very much, sir. And that's it, folks. We're going to be back tomorrow at 3 o'clock. We start this all over again right here on WoWo. Podcasts by Federated Media.